So have you ever felt, have you ever experienced that moment of going, you know what, I really would like to plan something or I would like to celebrate or the celebration is in the middle and someone or something is just kind of hampering it, diminishing it. Maybe somebody's in a bad mood. Maybe somebody didn't show up that should have. And so how often do we find ourselves kind of struggling with how do we celebrate when sometimes other people are kind of in the mix and making it difficult, or there are situations that keep kind of coming and it's like, well, maybe when it gets easier, maybe when so-and-so can show up, maybe when, and we keep putting it off. And so how do we begin to think about experiencing God when life is difficult? When things are difficult, when the challenges of life just keep hammering away and saying, I don't have any energy for celebration. Forget any of it. And so for today, we are getting into the Gospel of John. And the book of John is kind of interesting. A lot of the stories in John are unique to John. But the one that we're getting to today, one of them, We've got the water to wine, which maybe we know because we've made fun of it. That one's unique to John. But then the other one that isn't is where Jesus goes into the temple during Passover and disrupts the celebration. And so two very seemingly different stories, two different types of celebration. And so how is Jesus beginning to navigate those things so that we ourselves Whatever celebration we want to entertain, we want to get into, how might we better understand celebration in our own lives? And as we go through it, to recognize if we were to go through and look through the overarching, the, the narrative from the Old Testament all the way through, what we'd find is that the Israelites, Jesus, the early Christians have great difficulties and then they celebrate. So they themselves aren't without it, and yet they seem to figure out ways to cut through to get to the celebration. And for ourselves, I think it's important for us to even know our own definition of celebration that we can find in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of it's an observance of a holiday, take part in a religious ceremony, observe a notable occasion with festivities, to mark by a festivities or deviate from routine, to hold up or play for public notice. So as we're thinking about how do we celebrate when things are kind of difficult, when it's not easy, when it's not the way that we want it, and maybe we want a different set of circumstances, we want certain people to be present or not to be present, and so how do we figure out how to celebrate then? So starting in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, they don't have any wine. Jesus replied, well, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
Nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter. And they did. All right. So at this point, it's the very beginning of the book of John. This is kind of the first moment. It's considered the first miracle in the entire gospel of John. Not the case, right? This story doesn't exist in the others. And it's one of those moments where you kind of imagine it's a party, it's a wedding, it's a celebration. Jesus is there with his disciples, his friends. His mother is there, Mary. And they're partying, they're having a good time. And here comes Mary who says to Jesus, hey, they've run out of wine. And he's like, what, I don't, what does that have to do with me? And can you imagine the look she gave him, right? The look she gave him that then the next words that we hear, he says, he tells his mother, no, it's not his responsibility. He doesn't have time for that because he's celebrating in his own way. And she responds with whatever that look we can imagine. And she says, do whatever he tells you. So that moment of being in the element, maybe dancing away, having a good time, and all of a sudden, someone needs something. There is a need that exists. Here, Jesus is being asked to work, to help. And so for ourselves, of thinking through, how do we cultivate celebration, not just how do we receive, we get invited to the party, but instead, how are we cultivating celebration? That we are part of the mix. And so Mary is reminding Jesus, hey, wait a minute, you're part of this too. How are you going to contribute? How are you going to be part of? How, what responsibility are you willing to take? Because so often, right, we feel, we think we have to feel a certain way to celebrate, or we are only responsible for, but here it's like, wait a minute, we are part responsible for celebration, for creating the moment. And so Jesus is help, helping. He is creating the moment. He is continuing, adding to the celebration by being able to deal with this particular problem of turning water into wine because they have run out. And so he says, wait, all right, fine. There's six stone jars. They each hold 20 to 30 gallons. He's like, all right, go fill those with water. And it's important to note this as to why it says six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. So the stone jars are very different from clay jars, and they were considered to be able to keep the water cleaner that it, it allowed the water to remain fresh. And so here, there's an element of health. That in the way that Jesus is going to cultivate celebration, be part of, take responsibility in what he can do in this moment, is he's going to make sure to do it in a healthy way. 
And so for ourselves, when we're thinking about that, of going, okay, if we're meant to participate, if we're all meant to cultivate celebration in whatever ways, in whatever gifts and abilities that we have, how is it healthy? How does it give life instead of taking it? How does it begin to build others up or diminish? And to understand that each of us has a part in that, that we are not just on the receiving end, but we're also on the creating the making of it all. That we can't just wait for circumstances to be in a particular way, but instead we begin to create those circumstances. We begin to create the environment. We begin to create in healthy ways celebration. Continuing on in verses 9 through 12. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the groom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, Jesus and his mother and his brothers and his disciples went down to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. So a moment here where Jesus has solved the issue and the head waiter goes to the groom and is like, hey, wait a minute, why didn't we serve this first? This is the better stuff. And we could get caught up in how fun this story is. But to think about it like this, that Jesus does the best that he can do in this situation. He gives the best. He creates from a place of health. He creates from a place of responding to. And so to think about that, when we're trying to celebrate or we're trying to plan something, or we're trying to even notice little celebrations on a daily basis of life and beauty, of going, okay, am I doing my best? Am I putting my best foot forward, as we so often say? Am I using my gifts and abilities in a way that really matters, that really is trying to create something wonderful? And so this step back of going, okay, so Jesus is doing the best that he can do in this moment. He even changed his mind about what he was capable of doing. And now he is given something that others go, wow, that was unexpected. I didn't expect. And so to think about that, as we are all part of creating and making celebration, not just for ourselves, but for others, of when we are creating from a place of health, when we are creating from a place of care, of how, what are we creating? What are we putting forward? Are we creating things that's the best of who we are? Continuing on in verses 13 through 17, and this is the change. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who were selling cattle, sheep, and doves, as well as those involved in exchanging currency sitting there. He made a whip from ropes and chased them all out of the temple, including the cattle and the sheep. He scattered the coins and overturned the tables of those who exchanged currency. He said to the dove sellers, 
Get these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it is written, passion for your house consumes me. All right, so this is kind of an interesting moment. And in the Gospel of John, this is up front, right? This is right after first miracle, water into wine. And here, Jesus moves immediately to the temple and Passover. In the other three Gospels, this story actually comes right before his death. And so it's kind of interesting to think about that reorganization of how John puts the emphasis here. It's up front in Jesus' ministry. Because to also think about Jesus would go to the temple often. He celebrated the Passover in different years. Why this time? Why have something to say about the business that's taking place in the temple? And that in and of itself, if we take a step back, of understanding the Passover, part of the Passover ritual was the sacrifice of animals, and then there would be a big meal. Think uh, barbecue, except for taking the animal's life at the very beginning with your family and your friends. And people would come from all over the known world to celebrate the Passover if you were Jewish. And so you couldn't take cattle and livestock on that long journey. And so you needed to be able to purchase and the only thing that was used in the exchange of such things was the temple coin. And so you needed to exchange your currency because people were coming from all over the world. So there's this element of what's happening in the temple in this moment on a very practical level to help people celebrate Passover. But Jesus has something really interesting to say. When he says, get these things out of here, don't make my father's house a place of business. Even though there's this really practical side that what is happening so that people can observe Passover no matter where you came from. But it's this line of what his disciples remember that kind of give us a little more perspective. That is written, passion for your house consumes me. In this moment, Jesus is getting them to refocus. Yes, there is all this practical side that's going on that has to happen, but sometimes, sometimes we get so focused on what has to get done, we get so focused on traditions, we get so focused on the things that we have to do that we miss the point. We miss the point of the celebration. We often see this at the time of Christmas, right? We get so consumed with what gifts are being bought, with the food that's being served, with are we throwing a party, are we being invited to a party, with the traditions that we have to have, are certain people going to be present or not present, that we become so consumed with all of those wonderful things. And they are wonderful things that add to the season. But sometimes we get so focused on those things that we completely miss, right? We completely miss the whole point of Christmas is to celebrate God's love in the world. And so often, right, we feel so exhausted from Christmas. We feel like life is drained when the whole point, the whole focus of Christmas is to be focused 
on God's presence with us, on God's love, encompassing everything about us, encompassing our entire life, of being able to celebrate God's presence with us. And yet, because of all those other things, we forget, we miss the point, we get too caught up in. And so here, in this celebration of Passover, which is the celebration that's connecting generations of Jews to the early Israelites who left Egypt because of God's presence. God's presence took them out of Egypt. The whole Exodus story that is meant to unite and bring together and to bring together the community, that story that gives direction and insight into their lives, this moment of celebration that's to be focused upon God's presence, they're having a hard time because of everything else. And so here Jesus is really challenging them on what are you focused on? Because the temple, the temple that they're standing in is supposed to be where God's presence is realized. Like it's a concrete representation of realizing God's presence in their lives. And this is the second temple the, the first one was built by King Solomon, destroyed by the Babylonians. This one begins, is started by Herod the Great and will ultimately be destroyed by the Romans three years after it's finished. And so to think about that, to know that history of going, what are we focused upon in this moment? What are we focused upon in our celebrations that ultimately, yeah, they're fun and they've got their place, but have we missed the real point of the celebration? Are we missing focusing upon God's presence and love right here, right now, because of everything else? And Jesus is going to hit on this a little more with his words to the authorities. Verses 18 through 21. Then the Jewish leaders asked him, by what authority are you doing these things? What miraculous sign will you show us? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jewish leaders replied, it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But the temple Jesus was talking about was his body. What's interesting is at this moment in history, the temple actually isn't complete. It's not going to be complete for many more years. Like I said, it's going to be finished almost at the time of its destruction. In fact, it's going to be finished in 64, and in 67, the Romans are going to destroy it. The only thing left is the Western Wall, which you can see today in Jerusalem. You can visit. And so here... Here, Jesus is trying to refocus them not only on the purpose of what is the purpose of this celebration, but now he's talking about what are you building? And we get this footnote, right, that says, but the temple Jesus was talking about was his body. That sense of God's presence with us right here, right now, and what are we building? Jesus is building creating, making, giving us a sense of what it means for God's presence to be with us in real time of every step and every experience in the way that he encourages, in the way that he's like, wait a minute, I think you need to refocus in the way that he is healing and helping. It's 
everything about the way that he is living, he is trying to build a sense of what it means for God's presence to be with us. And so when we're thinking about celebrating, when we're trying to celebrate, what are we building? In our actions, in our words, what are we building when we celebrate? Are we building towards God's presence with us? Are we building towards that love? Are we building towards that encouragement, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us? Are we building towards, okay, we need to focus on, or is it something else? Are we building, well, it makes me feel good, and that's the end of it. It's because this is what I want not because of what we need, right? What are we building with our celebrations? What expectations are we building with our celebrations that maybe, maybe they are great because they point us to a God of love and maybe they are actually hampering and taking away from the ability to celebrate. What are the things that we are building that point, that show, that realize God's love in the here and now. Finishing up in verses 22 through 25. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. While Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the miraculous signs that he did. But Jesus didn't trust himself to them, because he knew all the people. He didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he knew what human nature was. So often we kind of separate this out, but if we're thinking about the two stories of celebration here, one with a wedding, and then one with the Passover festival, the two very different things, two very different focuses, and yet connected, and then when he says this, about, but Jesus didn't trust himself to them because he knew all the people. That sense of Jesus knew where people were, and he tried to respond to where they were, and he tried to guide from there, but he also knew that just because he put that love out there, just because he put that new way of living out there, a way of trying to stay focused upon God, it didn't mean people would follow because it's hard to change behavior in that whole thing about he understood human nature, right? Even when we're thinking in the context of celebration, our human nature, if it is not what we want in the way they that we want it, in the time that we want it, how often do our celebrations begin to be deflated? Jesus knows that we struggle. We struggle to stay focused upon God's love. We struggle to stay focused upon how God is guiding us, how God is giving us something different. We struggle to cultivate that joy, to cultivate celebrations for ourselves and others because situations happen, circumstances happen, and a lot of times we don't like it. And so when we're struggling with celebrations, whether it's because of situations or others, Jesus gets it. He gets that we struggle in that, but to take that in for ourselves and go, wait a minute, okay, so Jesus knows. 
Jesus gets that we struggle with that love. We struggle to keep choosing joy. We struggle to celebrate when our criteria, our expectations aren't met, and yet he still keeps inviting us. He still keeps showing us the way. He still keeps trying to give us hope. He keeps encouraging us and offering healing and challenging us in what we choose to focus upon, what we choose to build. If we are coming from a place of health or if it's just about what we want, when we want it, where we want it. And so to think through that, to be challenged by that this day, that God's presence is forever with us, has been, is, and will forever be, which is so often what those celebrations that we read about, whether Old or New Testament, those celebrations that the Israelites had, those celebrations that the early Christians participated in, it's that recognition in that moment that even while it was difficult, God's presence was with them, and that's where they chose to focus, at least for a moment. And so that begins to be our challenge this day of will we refocus ourselves? Will we attempt to, what is the celebration in life? What are we celebrating in life that we want to focus upon this week, this day, even if it's just for a moment? And who do we want to share that with? God's presence is with us in all kinds of ways, but will we recognize it? Will we celebrate it in the way that we need to, not just the way we want to? Will we be focused this day in such a way that it begins to change and shift us, it begins to maneuver and help us in ways that we could have never thought possible before? How will we allow this story of Jesus in the temple, this story of Jesus helping out at a wedding, shift our own perspectives on celebration. How will these words of scripture, how will this story, these stories, help us this day? Amen.